Yeah, no, no fun. He's going to hit like a, an opposite field single where the guy's already kind of has a little bit running. So, Joe, um, Joe's is, uh, yeah, he's, right, he's a nurse practitioner, right? Oh. Right, in a psych, psych unit? It's not like, I'm not psych unit. That sounds really intense. In a hospital. Joe works, um, Joe, you start out counseling and then nurse practitioner side of things, so you can prescribe and kind of help people more holistically in that way. Um, Joe and his wife, I was reading that scripture verse this morning, Philippians, Philippians 2, fun fact, just about Joe and his wife. Uh, they just so focused on other people. Um, look, I count others as better than yourselves, like not only your own interests, but the interests of others. Uh, Joe and his wife Amanda live that way as a very vital and obvious way. Um, Amanda basically runs Cornerstone, and it's not exaggeration. Um, but just the way they serve so generously available, um, not just task-wise, but also relationally. Um, always there to like see somebody who's not being talked to and like, go make that situation better. Uh, Joe also um, has a keen mind. One of the things I love about you, Joe, is you didn't really grow up around much of this. You grew up around the faith, and you did, like, you, you, Amanda, were doing youth ministry, really dedicated, and the Lord kind of, like, swept you into, like, some of the charismatic stuff, and you're like, I don't know about it. And, like, you guys wrestled, and you, like, prayed through it, and you, like, had the conversations, and you didn't just, like, peace out when it was hard, but you, like, I think through the fruit of that struggle and coming to, like, understand what the Lord's doing through all this, you, there's just a wisdom you have and an integrity to your character um, for not quitting. So... Let's pray over Joe. Praise God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Come, Jesus. Jesus. We welcome you here, Lord. Holy Spirit, name Jesus. Father, we turn to you. We acknowledge your presence here, even now. We acknowledge your love for us. We acknowledge the freedom that comes from that love. Lord, we surrender our anxieties. We surrender our own ways. Lord, we want your ways to be more prevalent in our life. Lord, you are freedom. Your love is freedom. For your love casts out all fear. But anoint Joe, your Holy Spirit, anoint our ears. For us in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks. It is, uh, it's great to be here with you all for, for a couple reasons. And like the least of those is I'm on this like buzz right now of like not a whole lot of sleep this week plus like that perfect amount of caffeine that I'm not like too jittery I'm just like I'm ready for it so so that's that's the first reason but um the the next is uh when I was so thrilled to be asked um to speak on this this has really been in my prayer um leading up our community uh greater Columbus covenant community and and my sector, Cornerstone, we had this amazing conference in the last month, and uh, it, it was so awesome because uh, I got the topics and was like, oh my goodness, this is like what I'm praying about. So, um, so, so thrilled to do that. So right now we're kind of, um, we know that, we heard last night that there are two kingdoms at war. Two kingdoms at war, distinct sides, no middle ground, and now this is the military situation report. That's what we're doing this morning. Who is our enemy, what are his tactics, and what are we going to do about it? So um, we're really going to look at the biblical view of this battle, and, and this isn't what the world sees as good versus evil. What the world sees is this despairing equal side battle, a balance. So Star Wars, 
the light and the dark force. There must be balance in the force. Um, yin and yang. So all cultures across the world have some way that they're wrestling with the, with the issue of good and evil. And unless we have the revelation from God that the victory has been won and the enemy is so minuscule in comparison to God, we can start to despair ourselves. So that's, that's what we're going to focus on. But we got to look at there's God, there's the enemy, and we're in a different place as creatures. So we look at that reality, but we don't. Uh, one thing I'm going to ask, uh, actually, just um, a moment. Let's, let's say the St. Michael prayer because uh, I, I want the Lord's protection in this moment. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. So the reason I wanted to do that is I, I want the Lord for each of us to help us focus exactly where we need to focus and to not cast our gaze in a place that's dangerous for us. Because where we're going to start with this is that there are um, two lies that the enemy puts forth. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this in uh, the screw tape letters. One is that I don't exist. And so I go, about, I go about my life not knowing that there's this enemy out there, and we'll talk about how nefarious he is. And the other is I'm hypervigilant. I'm hyper-focused on him and how much stronger he is than me and, like, where is he here? Where is he here? Where is he? And so in both situations, the enemy can kind of turn our gaze away from where God wants us to be in understanding the situation. So, so again, it's not, this, it's not this good versus evil. It's actually a created being. It's a captain and a leader of an army who's smarter and more powerful than us. The Lord says of Satan in John 8:44, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. So, so we often talk about Satan being a liar, but I actually want to focus on that murderer piece. Um, leading up to the conference, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate where I don't have many nightmares, but, but I work with patients that do, and it's, it's, it's horrific. Um, I'm sleeping, I'm having a great night, and taking into this dream. So all of a sudden, I'm in this dirty, dank, cage-like elevator, and it's, it's descending. And I have an absolute conviction and an understanding that if this continues, there's a being on the other side of it that will rip me limb to limb and utterly destroy me. There's nothing but malice that this person has for me. There is no escape. If I stay in this elevator, I'm going to die, and I'm going to die a horrific death. So I can't impart on you like my subjective experience of that, but I do want to let you know that this isn't a murderer that's like an assassin sniper that takes you out from a distance and you just drop. This is someone that wants to annihilate you and rip you apart, and any goodness that's in you wants to rip it out of you. That's who the enemy is. So this evil being is totally focused, doesn't rest, doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, 
and again, wants to put each one of us in the elevator going down to our eternal destruction. Why? It's, it's complicated, and this is a shorter talk, but, but envy. He ultimately rejected God. It's a decision as an angel that has perfect knowledge and perfect ability to make decisions. The decision's been made once for all. There's no turning back. And many of us have seen you know, the, the experience where misery loves company. So there isn't really loving the company, but somehow I feel a little bit better if I can drag someone else down with me. So that, that is on just a whole nother level when it comes to the enemy. So that's, that's who he is. But we should also know um, about our enemy compared to God. So the Lord is infinite. The enemy is a created being. There is no comparison. None. So, so I was praying about this, and uh, what came to mind is, um, have you seen those little red spiders that run around on, like, porches and stuff? So I, I've always known they exist, and, and I was like, oh, I'm going to look that up for this talk. And so, so it's called uh, the clover mite. It's a cute name. And so, so these tiny red spider-like looking things, they like the north-facing sides of houses and probably back in the day cliffs and stuff because then they're warm by the sun. And so you're hanging out on your porch, and you see these little guys running around. So in the front of my house is, uh, is a wall with like a, a garden or like a flower bed right behind it. So you can hop up and sit on the wall. So me being the benevolent wall sitter that I am, I look down, and I'm like, oh, there's these little guys. And so I go to like brush them off, and I just smear kill all of them. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, guys. I should have I just sat, and then I wouldn't, at least wouldn't know. So that's, that's who he is to the Lord. That's it. It's no contest. It's like he doesn't even exist, as, you know, in that way. So, so both things are true. And that's the, the beautiful and complicated thing about the faith is we have these paradoxical situations, and this is one of them. So we have an enemy that's incredibly powerful, and if it's just us versus him, we lose 100% of the time. But with the Lord, that's where the victory lies, and the victory's already been won. So, so we talked about the murderer component, and now the second part of John 8:44. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. So we talked about those most basic lies. He doesn't exist. He's more than a clover mite and is worth our fascination, our intrigue, and our fear. Um, both of these lies pull us away from God's will in our lives and can put us in danger. The Lord calls on us to be free and to fight. We are called to continue the mission of Jesus by putting on Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so we are not in this battle alone. We are, we are with the Lord. As we live in Christ and we abide in him, we take on his mission in the world. He's called on us to, you know, to put forth the kingdom of God. 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We get to participate in that. Through our, through our baptism, through our roles as priests, prophets, and kings, we get to participate in the eradication of the works of the devil. What an amazing gift. So Jesus, with that statement, he's a murderer and he's a liar. He informs us of the enemy's primary tactics. It, it is as a liar, and we see that in Genesis. 
So we see that the enemy takes something that is true and then twists it ever so slightly to lead us astray. So that first temptation, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? And that confuses Eve. Well, I don't know. It, it unsettles her. And so, so he starts to, to push in further. You certainly will not die. He's inserted the lie. Um, first, he has her focusing confusion, leading to a focus on what she wants and what she doesn't have. And that takes her gaze off of the Lord, who she had been walking with in perfect unity, you know, to that point, Adam and Eve. So he starts to, starts to like, whittle its way in there. Huh, why, why can't I eat from that tree? There must be a reason. He doesn't want me to be like him. He's holding something back. I have to have it. I deserve it. It's good to eat. I'm going to take it. The thing that's really interesting that, that I encourage you to reflect on is a lot of times in Scripture, it's like we, we read things, and so we think chronologically. It's like boom, 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 boom. So as, as I reflected on this, it's like, gosh, I wonder how long that like sat with Eve. Was it instantaneous, like conversation with the serpent, pull the fruit, eat the fruit? Or was she slowly pulling away? Was she slowly focusing on herself and her desires more than the Lord? I don't know, but I think that's the way he works in us. So we can't really know in that um, original innocence what it looked like. It's a mystery. But with us, we know that there can be a seed planted and then it festers over time. It festers over time and it causes us to draw in on ourselves. So the battleground with the enemy, you know, we're not here like fighting and we can't, you know, movies where they're spiritual beings, it's like they always shoot at the spiritual beings and it never works, right? So that's not the way we fight. The battleground is in the mind. He works on our emotions. He works on our intellect with these lies. So step one is to plant the lie. Step two, after we fall and we experience the wages of sin, which is death, then he steps into his role that's talked about in Revelation 12.10. The accuser of our brethren who accuses them day and night before our God. So as we look at the kingdom, am I in the kingdom of God or am I in the kingdom of Satan? One of the ways that we can know this is where are, um, and we're, we're going to get to forgiveness in the next talk, but am I taking on the, am I with the advocate, the Holy Spirit, where I have a love for people and I want them to move along, or in my heart, am I an accuser? Am I, am I after the Father the Most High, where his language is mercy? Or am I modeling myself after the father of lies who, whose role is accuser? So, uh, and this is, this is the not fun part of this. So I don't have to imagine very hard what accusing statements the serpent whispered once sin entered in the fall. God doesn't love you. What I've done is unforgivable. I have to hide this, I'm too ashamed. I don't belong here. It's all her fault. It's all his fault. I can never be made right again. I have a right to be resentful and bitter. I'm better off on my own. It's a very quick transition. 
puff us up, coax us along, groom us for the fall, and then right in with the accusation. That, that murdering component comes in. Doesn't this sound pretty familiar? This is, this is what the enemy does to us. This is, what, this is what the battle is. This is what we're fighting against. So the battle between the two kingdoms is happening inside us, like we said, within the mind, and it's happening around us. The Lord is victorious and allows us to participate in his redemptive work of healing and freeing captives until he comes again. So, so in these mop-up operations, um, the victory's been won, but often with, ba- with wars, the victory is surely at hand, but then there's some cleanup work to be done. That's where we're at. So the enemy's going to come at us with everything he's got for anything that he can consider a victory. So tactics um, within that temptation and that accusation, um, how do we fight well? Well, we have to know the tactics of the enemy. So that's what we're going to get into. What are the tactics? How do we respond? So one of the things that can come in as we're discerning, like, is this like the world, the flesh, or the devil? Out of character occurrences or impulses. So um, for those of us that are naturally impulsive, sometimes this is harder to tell. But, um, but a great example is like what you're, you experience probably leading up to this retreat and what you're going to experience shortly after the retreat. I can't tell you how many big fights I've had with my wife, like just after a retreat or, or leading up to a retreat. I've gotten better at before the retreat, I have to say, like I'm on guard, but you let your guard down. And so, so something comes in that's like cert- you're certainly capable of, but it's out of character. Like I just was really selfish today. Um, I wanted to take care of myself. And so I just sat around. I didn't uh, care for those around me. And in my case, that might look like I didn't play with the kids. I just like sat on my phone or I, you know, watched TV or, you know, uh, locked in on the cleaning the kitchen. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm doing something, you know, I'm like helping. But, but that wasn't what my call was for in that moment. Again, the enemy just kind of like leading me astray. And so other things that can happen in these out of character, just like all of a sudden, um, I personally have experienced floods of anxiety or just sadness. Um, irritability or doubt that just like, boom, sweeps in out of nowhere. And what's great is if we know that, we can turn to the Lord. Um, A strategy I use is I reach out to my small group. I say, hey guys, like super weird. I'm really anxious this morning. Not a great reason, but um, I'm praying. I'm offering this up for you. Could you please pray for me? It always goes away. It always goes away. Um, So so again, it's almost like these pot shots that the enemy takes um, particularly if we are really like walking with the Lord closely in, in those moments. Um, because it's harder for him, the closer we are, it's harder for him to really get a grip. So it's, it's just, again, it's like this sniper attack. Um, an attack on the will. Habitual sin. You know, that thorn in your side. Hurdles in trying to do good works. Um, that leads to fear, despair, or doubt. Um, I've, I've seen this when people have um, made efforts in community where they, um, particularly in the social realm, of like, hey, I want to have people over. And like, this is a great thing. And whatever happens, it just like doesn't pan out. Like those that were, you were hoping were going to come over, don't come over. And boy, the enemy like just swoops in 
again, those accusing statements. Um, nobody cares about you. Uh, you know, this isn't real. These relationships aren't, you know, aren't solid. So you're trying to do a good thing, and so he's going to attack it any way that he can. Um, you have a conversation, and you're like, dang, I feel like I was awkward in that conversation. Boom, he swoops in. So another one is, is honestly justifying evil in our, in our mind. So again, on those days where we want to be slothful or matters of purity, uh, gluttony, particularly the passions, um, I deserve this. Like, because of my hurt, because I've been doing really well, um, the enemy doesn't care. Whatever you got going for you, he's going to throw that slight twist in. And so um, another big one, the attack on the will is to hold on to resentments. Because that's, that's really an internal decision. And, and he keeps you in that spot where you're feeling the emotion and you're making the decision of like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really angry with this person. This person owes me this. This person, uh, is, this person isn't for me. And that goes into unforgiveness, a key device of Satan. And all, our next talk is going to go into that much more, so I'll just leave that one there for now. And then the nudge to focus on yourself and not the Lord or those you are charged to love. Um, one of my favorite saints is St. Charbel Malkoff. Um, if I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but these, this Lebanese saint with, I think, 1800s into the 20th century, you got to look him up if you don't know him. So the way they found out he was a saint is uh, all of a sudden this perfumed liquid is seeping from his coffin. And they're like, what's going on? They open it up, and he's floating at it. He's emitting it. Um, and so that's a sign of his holiness, but the stories of his holiness are, are even more amazing than that. And one of, one of his uh, statements that, that has stuck with me is... Um, the, uh, you know, we are the light of the world and, you know, they're like kids songs that it's tough for me to shake, you know, and it makes things like not as tangible for me and like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So he helped break that issue for me with, the, with that idea. So he talked about like as unique children of God, imagine like all these different lamps of like different glass and like colors and shapes and like they're just beautiful and they're unique. Every person, that is their light for the world. And he said, the problem is we can turn inward and get focused on how beautiful we are, how well I'm doing at work, how well I'm doing at school. Like, I've made it. Like, I'm a, I'm a great Christian. Like, I, I did it, you know? And, and what that does is he says that that makes the light dingy. The glass gets clouded and it no longer shines the way that it's supposed to. So that's... Um, that's ever the potential temptation, and, and that's, that's what I believe Eve was nudged to focus on, what she wanted, what she deserved, what she was missing. And the same thing will always be coming after us. Um, particularly in our age, I think we're vulnerable for attacks on our emotions, to put those first. That's the first and foremost attack. How I feel is more important than, than my decisions or my actions. That's what, yeah, how I feel drives how I'm doing. So guilt, anger, um, even being robbed of joy, 
anxiety. Another means of attack are, um, are our appetites. Again, in this day and age, in the United States, we're all the wealthy. So when Jesus talks about, like, it's difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God, you know, look out, that's us. Like, we are not living in a third world country. Like, my phone, like, I, I have what I need. We got, look at these snacks. But you know what I mean? We are so blessed to live where we live and to have what we have, but that heightens our responsibility. To those, much has been given, much is expected. And so, so he's going to press for these good things for us to focus more on those. Uh, we, my men's group, it's so fascinating. It's like a lot of what we do is figure out how to be moderate in the good things of the world. Podcasts, understanding finances, like career moves, wealth, you know, all those things. The enemy is ever ready to say, take off, go for it. You know, if it takes you off the path um, that the Lord has for you, it's not good. And in particular with this, I like to think of um, when the Lord rebuked Peter. So Peter's thing sounds great. Lord, if you're going to go to Jerusalem to die, don't go to Jerusalem. You can do so much more if you stick around. Like, let's keep doing what we're doing. Like, you're healing people. You're, like, bringing people into the kingdom. Why would you do that? Because that is the will of the Father. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Gosh, I hope I never, you know. So harsh, but so important for us to hear because, again, with so many good choices in the world, the enemy is ready to throw anyone out there to deter us from the path that the Lord has for us. The next is the occult. And uh, maybe many people here, like, at this stage, aren't involved with the occult, but, but there could be something in your past, or maybe you just don't know what all it is. But... That is anything that's sinking power or knowledge apart from God. Like the reason people are into the, cult, the occult is because there's actually power there. Like it's not, it's not a made up thing. The, the Lord permits the enemy to have power in, this, in his kingdom, you know? And so uh, Satanism, witchcraft, Freemasonry, psychics, mediums, Ouija boards, horoscopes, anything that is... I need that extra edge, you know. I want this information because it gives me that knowledge, that power to, um, to go it alone, essentially. To go alone without the Lord because his way is a little too scary. You know, his way is a little too mysterious. Um, your body. So in Luke 13, it talks about there are spirits of infirmity. So it certainly is possible that the enemy can attack our physicality. We're finite beings, um, injuries to the brain, injury, uh, chronic pain, uh, mental health, these types of things. Um, and the Lord would permit that. Why would he permit that? Because he can bring always greater good out of whatever evil the enemy throws at us. The clover mite does not have it locked down. So physical locations. Um, so these next couple, I have, I have some actually some personal examples. And so um, my wife and I, years ago when we were dating, we went to a club in downtown Columbus. And it was like innocent enough. It was like swing dancing night, really cool. So we go to the restroom. And in the back, 
is this like room and it's like lit a certain way and it's like dark and there's people going in and out of it and all I can say is there's just evil emanating from this back VIP room. I, I was like, we gotta get out of here. This is, this, is not, this is not good. There's something about this location that, that is evil. Um, objects. So uh, my wife went with this like super cool like calendaring thing that I don't know is new where you like start with a blank notebook and then you get stencils and markers and it's like creative and awesome. And so, so she was doing that and she got on Amazon and she got some stencils, right? So she's like, I really like these stencils. I'm going to go back to the company and like order some more. These are really good. All the rest of what they sold was occult stuff. She had no idea. So, so we talked with um, my, my brother, uh, Father Irenaeus, um, who is a Dominican. And we were like, he was, he was visiting um, for Christmas. And we were like, what do we, what do, we do with this? We were, we were kind of unsettled by this. Like, I don't even want it in the house. Like, what should we do? So he looked some stuff up, and he happens to live with um, the exorcist, or at that time lived with the exorcist of the, um, I think, the Washington Archdiocese. And in certain dioceses, you know, it's secret. Others, you know, they're out. And we were able to get a consult, which was great. And so there were specific prayers that he prayed, and we destroyed them out in the garage. And this was COVID, so we were hanging out in the garage um, with the space heater. Right after he does this, his, vet, his, uh, his robe, I forget the, the name for Dominican. Habit. habit, yes, thank you. He would kill me. Um, <laughs> his habit catches on fire. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> We've been walking around that, that stupid space heater all the time. He finishes the prayers, we cut him up, and his habit catches on fire. So, so again, the enemy is there in physical locations. Um, this next one, I'll, I'll be super brief, but it's, but it's important, is he can attack us through other human beings. A while ago, pre-involvement in community, so I'm just trying to be like Christian guy on my own out there, you know, Catholic guy. Um, I'm at work, and there's this guy that everybody hates. I mean, he's, he's rude, he's arrogant, he's, you know, all the things in this chemistry lab that I'm working in at the time. And I'm like, I'm Christian guy, so I'm going to be kind to this guy. So we'd have conversations and we're talking and he was raised Catholic, staunch atheist, hedonist, um, celebrated it. And, and I just wasn't formed well enough to like go into spiritual battle with this guy one-on-one. So just over time, he's like calling the Lord names and I like now I just wouldn't allow it. I wouldn't allow it. If we're going to continue this conversation, we're going to speak in the way uh, that's respectful to the Lord. But over time, never else in my life have I doubted the existence of God, but it started to creep in. And at the time, I was really starting to like, trying to pray more, and so I was just doing a psalm a day. I was going through them numerically. And so that morning, I'm in the parking lot, and I went through the psalm, and it was one of those fantastic, like, save me, like, I can't do this. And, and so I prayed that, and I really lifted up my heart. I'm like, Lord, please get me out of this situation. He was fired an hour later. Come on. So he was, he was stealing time off. So like, you know what I mean? You're supposed to put in your time off in the computer. He was just like taking time off. And it was so weird because he then, I'm just like at my desk where there's a phone, but I work in a lab and our phones never rang. My phone rings and I just got this unsettled feeling. I'm like, hello? And it's him. 
he like tracked me down as he's being walked out of the door and he's like just panicked like hey I really want us to like still hang out and be friends and I'm just like well usually at work they they say if somebody's been you know let go in this way they ask us like not to associate with them so I'm just gonna do that bye <laughs> and then and so uh, got a really nasty email um, and and deleted it and a short while later a priest friend prayed prayer of deliverance, and, and that, that utterly went away, the doubt. So I believe when we have that unsettled feeling, we need to turn to the Lord, and I was being self-reliant. So what's, like, what's the biggest takeaway? If we are self-reliant, we go down the elevator, and we will be destroyed. If we unite ourselves to the power of God, then... It's no problem. The situation report that we're in now, it's like a party. Like, what are we talking about? We're not going to be defeated by this guy. Okay, so that's, that's a lot. Um, so there's two potential reactions to this. Um, feeling of fear or anxiety because there's so many fronts to be on guard. Or we could fall into trying, again, that, that opening... Um, potential lie of, uh, that C.S. Lewis talked about of like, okay, we're going to pay too much attention to this now. I'm going to look for him everywhere. Like, uh, like I'm seeing shadow, you know, everywhere. Where is he coming from? Neither situation is what, is what the Lord calls us to do. So if we take our focus off ourselves, if we take our focus off of the enemy in a particular way, and we turn it to the Lord, again, that's, that's the antidote. He will provide the equipment, the armor of God. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So uh, a recent talk that we went, uh, or actually it was a couple years ago to, at the men's retreat, um, Father Brian Fisher, then Deacon you know, Brian Fisher, uh, spoke to us, and he's like, okay, in the two kingdoms, in the world, the flesh, and the devil, paradox. It matters. We're supposed to look for the tactics of the enemy, but it also doesn't matter in a way, because what's the antidote? The antidote is I turn to the Lord. So when uh, I didn't wake up to my alarm today, is that the devil? I was being, I was like biting sarcasm again, you know, with my wife, and I'm trying to not do that. Be more kind with my speech. Not more kind, just kind. Is that the devil? My car is having problems. Is that... You know, sometimes it's just us, our flesh. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's the devil. Don't get fixated on it. Like, we've got, we've got like, six areas to kind of focus on. If it comes out of nowhere, if it, you know. Um, but again, if we're turning to the Lord, we're good to go. So, based on time, we can't go through all of Ephesians 6, this, the armor of God. But we're going to talk about one particular area. Because you gathered here right now is part of like the healing antidote of the Lord. So one of the things in the armor that's really important to know is it's like St. Paul's describing Roman-based armor, you know, with these regiments. And so I've, I've loved the illustrations because you hear about the shields and like on movies, I've seen round shields and I've seen, you know, uh, triangle shields and all those things. These are big rectangular shields that we're sitting side by side, lined up, so that there's no way through, and the dudes behind me have their shields up above us so that the arrows can't come from above. So 
So us living this out in community and in communion with one another is a defense that's talked about in Ephesians 6, and you can miss that. So another one that we'll focus on just to, to close it out is Romans 8, 38 through 39. The sword of the Spirit, we're going to wield it right now. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. The victory is won, brothers and sisters. Let us have faith and trust in God in that. Amen. Amen.